1: You're listening to
0: a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. This time last year, the world awoke to the news that Queen Elizabeth had passed away.
1: Within the past few minutes, Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II.
0: A lot was said in the wake of her death, that it would be the start of the end for the British monarchy, that it would be the catalyst for a republic here in Australia, that in fact many Commonwealth countries would use this as the motivation to become independent. So what has happened in the first year of the king? Today we find out whether the transition to King Charles has been a positive or negative one for the royal family, and where the experts think his reign will go from here. But first, your news headlines for Friday, September 8. A small WA town is in shock after the alleged fatal shooting of a local resident by another who later turned the weapon on himself. 25-year-old Lachlan Bowles allegedly shot a man aged in his 40s at a silo manufacturing plant in Caliberon on Thursday before fleeing the scene, leading police on a manhunt in the wheatbelt town, authorities telling locals to stay inside while they pursued the suspect. Police later found him at a rural property 20 kilometres out of town after he allegedly shot at a local farmer who'd stopped to give him a lift. Officers attempted a peaceful resolution but Bowles allegedly turned the gun on himself and was declared dead at the 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 Australian Transport Minister has promised that airfares will start to come down and that Qatar Airways isn't the only airline that's adding competition to the Australian market. Catherine King denied Qatar the request to add more than 20 flights into Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne to try and bring airfares down and increase capacity. Ms King saying the treatment of Australian women on board a Qatar flight in 2020 who were removed and forced to undergo a gynecological exam on the tarmac provided extra context for her decision. The opposition is claiming the decision was a sweetheart deal to protect Qantas, a Senate inquiry set up to investigate after crossbenchers sided with the coalition to defeat government in peace. Outgoing Reserve Bank boss Philip Lowe says he's been attributed with saying many things that he actually didn't say, including that interest rates would not go up until 2024. Dr Lowe gave his last speech as the central bank head yesterday, warning that it would be very difficult in the current global economy to keep inflation within the small window their target requires, that it will be more variable moving forward. He also admitted the bank had made some mistakes under his watch, saying they provided too much support for the economy during the pandemic and that he should have been clearer about his forward guidance, which he says was interpreted as a commitment, like that rates wouldn't start to increase until 2024. A report after ground-penetrating radar was used at the site of a notorious Aboriginal boys' home in New South Wales has reportedly uncovered what could be grave sites. The Kinchalla Aboriginal Boys' Home near Kempsey ran between 1924 and 1970 and has a notorious history of abuse against First Nations people. A group was contacted by survivors to search the grounds and only they were given the results of the report, which were then seen by Guardian Australia. Federal Indigenous Affairs Minister Linda Burney has called for an investigation into the claims, which are an echo of recent findings at Canadian Indian residential schools where the bodies of children were uncovered in mass graves. A missile attack has hit a Ukrainian food market in what is Russia's deadliest strike on civilians in months. Locals say there are no military targets in the area where the missiles fell, the outdoor market reduced to a blackened ruin where people desperately search for their loved ones, the blast taking the lives of 17 and injuring at least 32 others. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says the strike is a reflection of his side having made some ground on the battlefield during a recent counteroffensive, saying every time there are advisers by Ukraine Defence Forces, Russians always target civilian people and civilian objects. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. At ten past three local time on September 8, 2022, Queen Elizabeth II passed away in her favourite Scottish castle, Balmoral. At that very moment in time, her son Charles became king, the oldest successor the royal family has ever seen.
1: The coronation
0: oath has stood for centuries and is enshrined in law. Are you willing to take the oath? I am willing. I, Charles, do solemnly and sincerely in the presence of God profess, testify and declare that I will according to the true intent of the enactments which secure the Protestant succession to the throne, uphold and maintain the said enactments to the best of my powers according to law. So how do Aussies feel about their king 12 months in? A YouGov survey found that while Australians have quite a good view of Prince William and Catherine, the Princess of Wales, with more than 70% returning a positive view of the couple, that rating drops to just over 50% for the King, even further down to 35% for Queen Camilla. The only royals lower than her in popularity are the Duchess of Sussex Meghan on 27% and Prince Andrew on 15%. Polls taken shortly after the Queen's passing last year saw Australian support for the monarchy had changed very little in the past five years with just under 50% wanting a republic and nearly 40% in favour of keeping the royals as our head of state. But it seems we don't mind a bit of royal pomp and ceremony. More than 3 million of us tuned in to watch the coronation back in May and nearly 4 million watched on from down under as his mother was laid to rest at the end of September last year. Despite some political turmoil at the start of his reign, the new king meeting with the new Prime Minister Liz Truss on October 12, then eight days later accepting her resignation, the transition for the septuagenarian has been a smooth one. But all the talk about what kind of King Charles would be in the lead-up to his taking over the throne doesn't appear to have eventuated. He'd reportedly promised sweeping reforms and downsizing the monarchy, making it more streamlined. But after being officially crowned on May 6, 2023, there have been little signs of this major reform even getting started. So, how has the King gone in his first year of service? Holly Wainwright is an executive editor at Mamma Mia and co host of our sister podcast, Mamma Mia Out Loud, as well as being our resident royal expert. Holly, if you could rate King Charles out of 10
1: for his first year on the throne, where would you place him? Look, I think you have to have two different marks there, right? Because In one way, he's actually doing really well, as in his approval ratings are quite high. He's getting pretty universally positive coverage in the UK. So you could argue that he's kind of been cautious, slow and steady and deserves quite a high mark for that. But if you were hoping that he was going to come in bold, which is what lots of people predicted... And, you know, in his what is destined to be a relatively short reign, come in hot and do things that people have been speculating, like turn over a lot of crown land to the public, make some really significant changes to the honors list, all of this kind of stuff. He hasn't been doing that. So I think it's like low marks for action, high marks for a sort of slow and sensible approach.
0: Why do you think he hasn't come in hot as predicted? Because there was a lot of chatter about him streamlining the monarchy and modernising it and all of these things. Why do you think he's actually decided to go the easy approach?
1: Well, some of the commentary from experts suggest that actually it's a bigger job than he thought, which is kind of hilarious because he had been waiting for this job for 76 years. (laughs) So you would imagine that you might know exactly what you're dealing with So there's one school of thought that's like actually just being the king and getting your head around that and what's required of you every day and dealing with all the papers and all that kind of stuff. When I say papers, I don't mean newspapers. I mean all the government papers, all the kind of admin side of being king is actually taken him by surprise. I have seen some commentary around that and that he wants to really get his head around that before he starts making any changes. I guess the other view on why he might not is it might be a bit of if it ain't broke, don't fix it policy because Britain is in a big old mess at the moment for lots of reasons. Terrible cost of living crisis. The government is desperately unpopular. There are a lot of very serious issues there, healthcare in crisis. People have got a lot of things to worry about and they're not really thinking about the royal family very much. So the Republican movement there, which was vocal-ish during the coronation. You know, there were some protesters arrested. It was probably the most vocal that that corner of the population had been for a while. They're not really gaining lots of ground because I think people's attention is literally elsewhere, which is on trying to keep their heads above water, trying to work out whether or not their politicians are trying to kill them. (laughs) I think that they are, the royal family is a little bit the least of their worries and maybe Charles is capitalising on that a bit in terms of going under the radar. What about from an
0: Australian perspective? Because it seems like we love the ceremony and could care less about the rest because loads of us tune in to watch, say, the Queen's funeral and then Charles's coronation. But then like all the in-between, because they don't have that much of an impact on us day to day, we kind of forget about
1: them until someone pipes up and says, hey, remember we have a king? It's very interesting that the Republican movement, if they were hoping that the Queen's death and the coronation and the sort of almost ridiculous level of pomp and expense that went with that was going to fire up the Republican movement in Australia, that is not what's happened. So the polling still looks overall like Australians would prefer a republic, only just, we're talking like 54%-ish, only about 40% of those people feel really strongly about it. And it's a generational split. Young people feel more strongly about it. So although Australians would like a republic, as you said, it's not a burning issue for us either. What I've seen being spoken about quite a bit from Craig Foster, who's the head of the Australian Republican movement now, is that also at the moment, we've got a different and very important national conversation going on around The Voice. And he is saying that next year, there's going to be a new campaign and a new push for the Republican movement in Australia. But first, it's all about the voice and that constitutional change and let's get that done first.
0: How has King Charles gone as far as getting out and about and being public? Because he has done a few trips around the UK, but he's very rarely sort of ventured outside of the borders. When will we see him get out and about in the Commonwealth?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously he's quite elderly, he and the Queen, and they are working hard and out and about a lot probably one of his biggest challenges is the family issue, right? He hasn't got a lot of emissaries that he can send out on behalf of the royals since obviously Prince Andrew, who apparently personally Charles would quite like Prince Andrew to come back into the fold, but he also really understands that that is not what people want and it's a vastly unpopular position. So let's just leave him sort of dangling slightly outside the family. He's got no Prince Andrew. He's obviously got no Harry and Meghan. He's only got the Prince and Princess of Wales who are also very strategic and cautious about their own image and reputation in what's on the nose and what's not when it comes to Commonwealth tours at the moment. We all saw the backlash that they got after their tour of the Caribbean recently. So I think it's becoming harder to just roll out straight royal tours in the way that perhaps the Queen was able to do, and he's actually got fewer people to do it. So I think we will wait and see quite who we're going to get and when in terms of dialling up their tours and it will be interesting to see if the Republican push that is going to come next year might rattle that cage.
0: What about the ongoing saga with Harry and Meghan? We know that in the UK itself, those two's popularity ratings have plummeted in comparison to King Charles's, which has gone up a little, but their Netflix documentary has come out since he's become king. Has that really affected his reign at this point or the fact that that still remains an issue and and unresolved? Does that impact his reign, you think?
1: In Britain, it plays favourably to his popularity, which is really interesting, right? Because, I mean, Harry, if you've read his book, which obviously I have, he criticises his father quite a lot, but not in a visceral way, more as a sort of ineffectual puppet of a system that Harry believes is really broken. I think the way that's played in Britain is this poor man being sniped at from his son who he gave everything to. I think that that is really interesting how that's shifted from the you know post-Diana years of that kind of pet portrait of him as quite callous and heartless. That doesn't seem to be how current Britons feel about him. If anything, I think it garners him some sympathy that he's got these family issues. As we know, in other parts of the world, the Harry and Meghan sympathy is higher. And even in America, it seems that people are definitely tiring of the sniping at the royals from Harry. But but Harry and Meghan are currently on a little bit of a comeback with their documentary coming up about the Invictus Games, which is very much sort of the best side of Harry, really, that that's a project that he's worked on for years and is so passionate about. That will help rehabilitate them a little bit as people who are doing useful things out in the world rather than necessarily a portrait that's been painted of them as just sort of wannabe celebrities. But I think that there's no question that this family rift is a real thorn in Charles's side because although it might be playing to his popularity, as I said before, it's also kind of hamstringing him in a show of force of the family and also in actual people who are able to do all the jobs that need doing. So I think it is an ongoing challenge for him on several fronts.
0: Holly, what do you think of this idea that King Charles is the placekeeper king? That he's really just holding the fort between his mother and when his son will take over the throne, and that King William will actually be the one to modernize the monarchy once he takes the throne.
1: It's interesting because, I mean, that's true. Just by the numbers, his reign is going to have to be relatively short because he has come to the position late in life. So, William would be very much thinking about his reign, and a lot of Charles's legacy is going to be what position William is in. Now, there are two schools of thought about that. Before Charles came to the throne, a lot of people were saying, well, this gives him in a way an impetus to make a lot of possibly unpopular changes. Because, you know, if you know you're only in the job for a while, go in there, a bit of scorched earth, make the changes that need making and set the table for a new kind of monarchy with William. But on the other hand, if you've been waiting your entire life to do this job then you do very much want, I guess, to show that you were worthy of it and that your legacy is significant. So people are hoping that he is going to act on issues that are important to him and authentic to him, things like food waste, environmentalism, public land. But he certainly isn't making those broad, bold cuts that we thought he might be making. A lot of people have been expecting So the gardens at Buckingham Palace, for example, are kind of handed back to the people as public space. So there are a lot of palaces and royal real estate that's lying unused or sits there until it can be handed to someone quite far down the pecking order as their family home as it comes to them, that a lot of that would get returned to the people. He isn't doing any of that at the moment. It doesn't mean it's not in the works because he's of the system through and through. So he knows how long it can take to get things done and also that everything is a bit of a long game. But I think that the hopes that he was going to be a scorched earth reformer are probably proving to be misplaced.
0: The marking of King Charles's first year on the throne will not be a grand celebration. It is, after all, tied up with the sad passing of his own mother on this very same day. From looking back at the past 12 months, it seems a now soon-to-be 75-year-old has spent the year mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth, embracing his destiny and wading into life as the head of the crown cautiously and carefully. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tegan Sadler.